So our scripture is Psalm 37, 1 through 5, and, uh, you know, Psalm 37, verse uh, 4 is definitely a verse that many people love to quote. But I wanted to talk about uh, these verses because so many times we will memorize one verse out of a section and not really comprehend what it's really speaking of. So Psalm 37, and um, we're looking at verses 1. Uh, I know my wife said 1 through 5, uh, but I'm going to read verse 6 to you as well. Uh, but Psalm 37, 1 through 6, actually. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. So may the Lord not just bless the reading of His Word, but also that we understand it and that we know what it truly means when we say the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Now I'm going to tell you a little funny quick story because you know I like to make people laugh when I can and maybe you'll get an idea of this, of the, this husband's desire of his heart. So an 80-year-old lady was arrested, if you can believe it, for shoplifting. And the judge said, what did you steal? And she replied, I just stole one can of peaches. The judge then asked her how many peaches were in the can. She said, just six. And the judge said, well, then I'll give you six days in jail. But before the judge could pronounce the punishment, the husband jumped up and said, and also, judge, she stole the largest can of peas in the store. <laughs> so that was, that was the desire of his heart, that his wife spent some time in jail. I know that is not the desire of your heart, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, so again, I, I want to take just a, a few minutes, or maybe a little more than a few minutes, and really look at not just verse 4 that everyone likes to quote, but why is it that we, can, that we can trust that God will give us the desire of our heart? Well, when you're looking at this psalm, the first thing that we're told is don't worry about the ungodly. Now, when you and I look at the news or we read social media or we just look around our own circumstances, it is easy to worry about all the evil that goes on today. It's always been, right? We can get distracted by looking at what's going on around us. And yet the psalmist says, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. Now you may say, well, I'm not envy of them. Well, sometimes though we look and think, well, how are they succeeding? Why does it seem like it's so easy? Or why do they seem so successful? Why does it look like God is blessing them, but it, it almost feels like he's not blessing me? Life is not fair. What is, why are things upside down? And so it's easy. In many ways, it's almost tempting for us to just to look around and think, well, wait a minute, God, you, you've got it all wrong. You said you would take care of me. It's a common thing 
for godly people to be envious of the wicked. Asaph was bothered by this problem in Psalm 73. And, and, and he, he wondered why the wicked often experience so much prosperity. There's a song that, that we often sing that says, though the, though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. So that's something we have to remember. Now, it tells us not to fret. Now, in my Bible, I like to use the, the New American Standard Version. It says, do not fret. But, but you'll, you'll understand this. The word do not fret really means don't get heated about it. Don't get upset. That's what we would say today. Or, or maybe uh, in my generation, we'd say, don't freak out about it. Okay? I don't know what the word for my daughter's uh, generation would be. They just say, bruh, all the time. Uh, but really, that's what we'd say. Don't get all worked up. Or as some people might say, just be cool about it. Take a, take a breather. Because if, if all we did was focus our attention on all the wrong, on all the injustice, on all the evil, do you understand now why so many people in this world are upset? So the psalmist says, you know, don't focus on that. Now, here's what I love about Scripture. Never does the Scripture just say, don't do this. The Scriptures will say, don't do this, but instead do this. Why is that? Because as humans, we can't just stop doing one thing. Something else will have to take its place. That's how we're wired, right? If you've ever stopped smoking, you will eat more. Right? You gotta, it's just the way we're wired. You gotta stop doing one thing and do something else. So don't get all worked up about this. To fret is to worry. And what does the Bible tell us? Jesus said, do not worry. And you know, you can almost, as we would, you can almost see his listeners just laughing at that. Don't worry. There's a million things to worry about. I just learned today that the inside of the earth has stopped rotating. Now that kind of made me concerned. But he says, don't worry about that. C.H. Spurgeon said, to fret is to worry, to have the heartburn, to fume, to become vexed. Nature is very apt to kindle a fire of jealousy when it sees lawbreakers riding on horses and obedient subjects subjects walking in the mud because that's what we that's what we see but see here's here's the thing to remember friends we don't see the whole picture we see what we see but go if you go down it says that they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb in other words god god will their day will come really now, that's not for me to decide. That's not for you to decide. And so what, what, the, what the psalmist is saying is just let the trusting do its job. We wait. Events will justify the action. It is a foolish thing. One, one man said it is a foolish, it is foolish, excuse me, as it is wicked to be envy, envious at the prosperity of others. Whether they are godly or ungodly, it is God who is the dispenser of the bounty they enjoy. And most assuredly, He has a right to do what He will with His own. 
To be envious in such a case is to arraign the providence of God. In other words, don't be, you know, don't worry. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. But the one who holds all things together, he will do something about it. In fact, David gives us the answer. What will happen eventually, ultimately, they will be cut down like the grass. Now, you know, to understand the geography of the Middle East, you've got to understand that just in a few days, something that is green with, with lots of vegetation can dry up and die within a few days. It's hot. The desert wind, it, it parches the land. Uh, and so what you could see today literally could be gone tomorrow. So God is saying, don't worry about this. We think of a, of a man who is, who is wicked or evil, enjoying you know, a, a, a T-bone steak and, and, and baked potato. And I know I shouldn't be saying all this right before lunch, but, and then we think, and the, little, the poor man, he's over there eating beans and cornbread. But, and God's saying, yeah, but you know, you know what you don't realize? That evil guy, that's his last meal. You see, he sees further than we do. That's why we can leave the situation of the world right now in his hands. His hands are bigger. He sees the bigger picture. So what do we do? If we're not going to worry, we got to do something, right? So this is what he tells us. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. In other words, the only cure for fretting or worry is faith. Our sight, if all we're going to focus on is the, the negative and the evil, we get cross-eyed. We view things only as they appear to us, which is everything's bad. Faith, though, has clearer optics. I mean, look, we've all... If, if you wear glasses or contacts, you know exactly what I mean, right? You, if, you don't, if you don't have on your glasses or your contacts, things just don't look right. And the minute you put them in, you're like, okay, I see better now. I see a clearer picture. When we trust in God, we see a clearer picture. When we trust in God, we have peace. When the world is literally on fire... We stay cool. You see, we are called to be thermostats. You know what a thermostat does, right? It, it doesn't change because of the temperature outside. It stays a certain degree. It's not like the, you know, the, the temperature gauge that goes high and low depending on outward circumstances. We, we aren't to be, you know, we're, we're, we're to be thermostats. Hey, it's set on 68 or 70, or whatever you prefer, and nothing else on the outside changes it. Why? Because the master has control. And when we don't give the master control, we are literally all over the place. So he tells us to dwell uh, in the land and cultivate faithfulness. How do we cultivate faithfulness? How do you let faithfulness grow? By trusting in the Lord. There's going to be many opportunities in life, we wouldn't call them opportunities, but many times when we have to decide, will I trust in the Lord? And if I'm trusting in the Lord, then I'll do good because I know He's got it all under control. Or will I fret? 
Over the last three years, almost three years now in March, I don't think you would celebrate this anniversary, but we have the pandemic. And not just that, we have war all over the world. We have our own situations that go on in our country and in our city, in our families, in our bodies. And, and every day we have to make the choice, Lord, will I trust or will I fret? Now, if we can trust in the Lord, then we can delight in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. David admired, excuse me, advised the, the man or woman of God to replace worry and envy with a conscious delight. This means that, uh, that your heart and your mind are controlled by faith when we realize that we've already been blessed of God. Now, many commentators have explained this idea to delight yourself. One said to expect all your happiness from God and seek it in Him. One uh, writer said it includes a deliberate redirection of one's emotions, such as Paul and Silas. They're in prison, and yet they're praying and singing. Meyer said we cannot delight Without effort, we must withdraw our eager desires from the things of earth, fastening and fixing them on Him. See, this is, this is God doing it, but also us allowing Him to do it. In fact, uh, I'll quote C, uh, Charles Spurgeon again. He says, in a certain sense, imitate the wicked. They delight in their portion. Take, delight, take care to delight in yours. And so far from envying, you will pity them. But why, are, why is this hard for many of us? It's very simple. We do not delight in God because we don't know Him very well. And the reason we don't know Him very well is that we don't spend time with Him. We talked a little bit about this in Sunday school, about priorities. Well, if someone is high on your priority list... You will find the time to spend with them. And so this morning, we can know that our, our heart's desire, as we like to say, will be filled. Especially, now here, here's the thing, your heart's desire will always be filled. Depends on what you're running after. But if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for uh, peace with God and the peace of God, then you have to know God. And you don't have to, and you, and you can be free from the idea that all of the world's problems rest on your shoulders. They don't. Another way to look at this is don't think first of the desires of your heart. Think first of delighting yourself in God. If you have accepted Him as your Lord, then He's yours. So delight in Him. And then He will give you the desires of your heart. We've, we often sing a chorus, Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. We, we use the illustration of the potter and, and, and the clay and how He molds us and makes us. So when we say He will give me the desires of my heart, He will because as we grow in Him, then... What, I, what he desires is what I desire. 
Somebody once said to me that holiness has a very simple definition. They said it was to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. What does that mean? It means your heart's desire is changed. So we, we can trust in the Lord. Notice that there's a key phrase, in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. You can delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desire of your heart. And so the word also there uh, is important. Trust also in Him. Or, or also delight in Him. Again, here's the thing that we forget. God delights in you. And so, you know, he, in fact, Proverbs 8.31 says, He delights where with the sons of men. Uh, in other words, God likes you. You may not like you, but God likes you. God loves you. We were doing a, uh, uh, we had to do the inspection of Catherine Booth Gardens. And buddy, they know how to inspect. Every window had to be open. Every door had to close. Everything. And when one and you go in and you check some of the apartments, and I thought it was interesting. One of the, the ladies uh, on the door of her apartment, she had a mirror. And on the mirror, it, it said that uh, it, it was quoting Ephesians, uh, where it says, You are God's masterpiece, created in Him to do good works. And what we often forget when it's translated, it's saying that you, that you are poetry to Him. You are beautiful. So in the morning, when you get up and your hair isn't fixed and you're, there's no makeup on, you need to look in the mirror and say that, that you are poetry to him. You, you are a beautiful workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. See, you laugh because you know that it just sound, doesn't sound right, but it is. He delights in you. And so we should delight in him. The one who truly delights in the Lord will find his or her heart's desire and they will change. They will steadily align with God's desires. That's why I said holiness is simply uh, loving what God loves and hating what God hates. You ever notice that people who delight in God, they, they just seem a little happier? They have, we used to say their countenance is different. Why? Because they, they, have, they found the secret. They found the key to a good life, and that is delighting in God. You see, you may not believe it, but God intends to fulfill your heart's desire. When you are saved, He, he then begins to do a work in you and in me. Yes, it is possible uh, as we live on this earth for those desires to still not be, you know, 100% sin is still very much real in our life and our own brokenness and all the, the, the things that just this fallen creation creates in us. But, but more than anything, there's still that godly root that says, ultimately, your will will align with God's will. Someone once said of, of Martin Luther as he walked the streets, there comes a man that can have anything of God he likes. You ask the reason? Because he delighted himself in his God. And so when you, when you go on down, it says to 
So we, we don't have to worry. I know that just sounds so easily said and done, but every day as we grow, doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean that we're not aware. It just means that it's, we're not going to let what we see control us. So we don't have to worry because we can trust in the Lord. And as we trust in Him, we do His work, we do good, we can delight in the Lord. And as we delight in Him, He delights in us, and so He gives us the desires of your heart. And then we can also commit our way to Him. Trust God to protect and promote you. Now, I don't mean promoting as in just successful. But we commit our way to the Lord. David explains in this psalm what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. It means that we, we are committed to truly trusting Him. It means that we find peace and we find protection and satisfaction when we surrender ourselves to God. It is, it, is the, it is just the great uh, oxymoron of, of, of life that to, to, really, uh, to really find success, we surrender. It is so not what we're told today or ever, right? Just like when Jesus said, if you want to live, you've got to die. Now, that don't make any sense outside of God's way of doing things. But to commit your way, if, if, if you were to know Hebrew, the Hebrew for commit is literally to roll, as though you're getting rid of a, of a burden. But it also comes to be used simply as a synonym for to trust, to give it over to God, to surrender. And when you do this, when you commit your way to Him, trust also in Him and He will do it. What will he do? It says that he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noon day. Now, in, in other words, he will make these promises come to pass. He brings these promises to pass. Fame and fortune are not promised. That's so that, again, we're not talking about success as the world sees it. True success in life is peace. True success in life is knowing that my eternity is secure in Him. That as I am, 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 am continually obedient in my faith by trusting Him every day, then I don't have to, going back to verse 1, I don't have to fret because of all the evil I see in the world. You see, friends, here's the truth. We can be overwhelmed by the worries of today or we can be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. You're going to be overwhelmed. I'd rather be overwhelmed in looking at how God's been good to me. But it's a choice. You can choose to fret. You can choose to worry. And, and your peace will erode. Your joy will be non-existent. Or you can say, you know what? I can't stop any of that stuff. The world has fallen. But God has already said in His Word how all that's going to come about. And so, yes, I can be okay in Him. I can be delighted. God fulfills these desires of, of our heart. Why? Because of the righteousness of God that's revealed in us. He shall bring forth your righteousness 
In other words, uh, to, view of, to the view of the world from which it, it is seen seems to be hid or eclipsed by reproaches and grievous calamities. Instead, your righteousness will be visible just as the sun is visible at high noon. As God says in the beginning, let there be light. So he says to you and I, when you trust in me, when you, when you realize that I can give you what you're really needing, the desires of your heart, it will be as evident as the light was at the beginning. And so this morning, as we look at our world today, as we look at what's going on in our country and, and in, your, in your world and in my world, I love when, when Peter, uh, when Jesus looks at his disciples, he says, you know, basically, hey, are, are y'all going to, he doesn't say y'all, but I do. Are y'all going to leave me too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Are you going to spend your, your life worrying? And, and by the way, you can worry yourself to death. Or are we going to, uh, are we going to trust in the Lord and have a delightful countenance? Does that mean that you're always happy? No, that's not what I'm talking about. You can be sad and have joy. Because joy is found in Christ. That's where the desires of our heart are met. What is the true desire of every one of us? Is to be known and to be loved. And God says to you and I, that's, I'm God is saying, really, when it's all said and done, I am the only one who can truly value you the way you need to be valued. No person can do that. You know, one of the worst movie lines of all time is when Tom Hanks says, you complete me. Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. And all the girls like, oh, I wish Tom Cruise would say that to me. No one can complete you. Only God. You will only find completeness, or, or as we would say, wholeness in God. The true desire of your heart is the same desire of my heart, to be known and to be loved. I think it was um, St. Augustine that said, you know, really, God has created in all of us a God-shaped void that only He can fill. What is the desire of your heart? To be loved by your Creator. And yes, we run to and fro to all these different things. As the, uh, as the country singer said, we, we go looking for love in all the wrong places. Ultimately, to come back to where we started and we say, you know, God, you were the one from the beginning. You were the one that knew what I needed. So friends, here, here's, here's my advice to you. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You know how you you know the secret to rest, trust, to trust in the Lord, because when we trust in Him, that's where we find our rest. Because He says in verse seven exactly what He says in verse one: Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Let let the Lord take care of him or her. But rest in the Lord, because when you trust in Him, you you're, you're rolling all your cares all your concerns, you're surrendering all those things that you honestly, none of us have control over. 
And we say, you know what, Lord, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. Because isn't that what we were taught when we were really, really young? We Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it to you, but we used to say, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got me and you, brother, in his hands. He's got me and you, sister. He's got, and we just went on and on. How quickly we forgot. As, the care, as we got older and the cares of this world grew on us, those songs became more and more distant, but it's still true. He's still, even, even if it's not turning right, it's turning the way he wants it to turn. He's got the whole world in his hands. And so that's why I can focus and you can focus on trusting in the Lord and doing good and let him handle the rest. I'd like to sing, if we can, the same, the same song that we sang uh, earlier, but we're going to sing uh, the second verse, song number 672, as we come to our time of prayer and commitment. The second verse says, Have I worked for hireling wages? or as one with vows to keep, with a heart whose love engages life or death to save the sheep. All is known to thee, my master, all is known, and that is why I can work and wait the verdict of thy kind but searching eye. In other words, Lord, you know it all. I don't have to be concerned with that. I just need to be concerned with doing the work that you gave me to do. And that's all we have to worry about. We're going to sing on this uh, second verse in the chorus, All My Work is...